As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, I'm James Richardson. If, like me, you've ever felt like one of Cantona's cows watching gamely as football steams past like an express train, then why not join me three times a week over on the Totally Football Show? This Monday, for example, I'll be joined by Daniel Storey, Tom Williams and Benji Lignardo to explain what actually happened this Premier League weekend. Huh. Tuesday, it's the turn of the Euro crew, Horncastle, Honigstein, Alvaro Romeo and Julian Laurence to drop knowledge on all the continent's big stories, including this week the biggest last-minute comeback in Bundesliga history. Woof. Thursday then, it's back to our septic aisle to preview the weekend's Premier League games again with data beta Duncan Alexander and this week analysis from Carl Anker and Adrian Clark. Join us then for cogent insight, fun and a few feeble puns plus the odd move from me. Just search for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. The Athletic. The Phil Hay Show. Welcome to The Phil Hay Show brought to you by The Athletic and The Square Ball. Dan Moylan with you from The Square Ball with Phil Hay from The Athletic in his bunker. You all right, Phil? I'm good, I'm good. You're sounding croaky, Daniel. Just a little bit, yeah, just a little bit. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic yet, you want to read all the reactions to Chelsea, everything Phil's written about Leeds, loads of stuff on the site about sport from around the world, all the essential stories, theathletic.com forward slash Leeds pod. Pound a month for six months. It's the morning after the night before then, Phil. Um, talk to me about that one. Leeds United 3, Chelsea nil. Probably one of the great occasions in recent times at Ellen Road. And it was bouncing, wasn't it? The football was obviously immense technically and and tactically it was you know I think as perfect as you were going to get in a game between Leeds and Chelsea that Leeds dominated but I think more than that there was a symbolic aspect to yesterday the first time for my money that Ellen Road has fully and 100% embraced Jesse Marsh the first time I think they've been 100% sold on his ideas his methods the team he's put together and it felt to me like finally, people probably have now moved on from the era that they've left behind and, and are able to look at this as an era with potential and possibilities. I, I think one of the big fears when Marcelo Bielsa was sacked was that throughout his time as head coach, and okay, it got very difficult for him last season, but for, for so much of it, 
it felt as if anything was possible with them. Possibility was the word around Leeds. You know, you've, it felt as if the club could reach for so much, could go so far and develop in, in a way that they hadn't been able to previously. And, and there was that fear when he was sacked that that possibility was about to evaporate. But it was there again yesterday. It was there in the performance. It was there, I think, in the quality of the individual players and, and the impact of the new signings. And I think everybody needed it. It was a huge feeling of release from the crowd. I think a crowd who who want to be entertained like that, who enjoy being entertained like that, and are actually open to loving a different head coach and a different set of players. I don't think that is the issue um, at all at Ellen Road. It's just the fact that up until yesterday, it hadn't clicked for Marsh in that way. But that is a real statement win. I think it was a win that he needed. I think it is like the starting gun going off for his time as head coach. And I think he'll be feeling very, very satisfied, quietly satisfied today about the fact that he, he he's tried to promise this, he's tried to say that this was coming and he delivered in a big way. Tell me honestly though, going into yesterday, did you expect that in any way, shape or form? No, I, I don't think I did. I, I didn't expect Leeds to play poorly and I didn't expect them to be completely overrun by Chelsea because I felt that they'd played well enough to beat Wolves. I think they'd played well enough most of the game at Southampton to win down at St Mary's as well. There were clearly teething problems and there were clearly issues with, with the team that, that needed ironed out and, and things that were making them slightly vulnerable. So I thought they'd be in the game yesterday and, and I thought the crowd would help as well. But I absolutely did not anticipate them steamrolling in Chelsea. I, I think there was an initial period of about five minutes, five, ten minutes, where Chelsea were getting at Leeds down, down Chelsea's left. There's a big chance for Raheem Sterling 37 seconds into the game. And, and if he scores that, then it's a, it's a completely different afternoon and no doubt at all. But by the time the first goal went in, the game had become very even and, and Leeds were looking extremely competitive. And the pressing was having a big effect on Jorginho and, um, and also Conor Gallagher in Chelsea's midfield. And you just felt something coming together. I think it helps as well that Ellen Road is, is that sort of ground that you know is disappearing rapidly out of football. It, it is tight. It is aggressive. It's a crowd who get on top of you, particularly if you can see the goal like Chelsea did for the first one, Mendy's mistake, Aronson's pressing, forcing that mistake, and then a tapping from the goal line. That is the sort of thing that puts big pressure on a side like Chelsea. And, and I got the impression as the game went on that they absolutely hated yesterday's match. They hated the atmosphere. They hated the, the stress that they were under and the pressure that they were under. And the crowd fascinated me yesterday because the atmosphere was absolutely wild. And we got into talking on a Friday podcast last week about entitlement and expectation. And you were asking the question, you know, are, are fans too entitled? Do they expect too much? Do they want too much of the clubs and their teams? But I think all you saw yesterday at Ellen Road was total and utter appreciation. And I think appreciation is what you get from Ellen Road when you deliver like that and you play like that. I think, as I say, that that is easy to fall in love with. And I don't think anybody was going away from the stadium yesterday saying they wanted more than Marsh was able to give them. I think they, they wanted exactly what they, they got. And I just think the atmosphere has, has changed in a big way. I, I, I do feel as if it's been pretty positive right the way through the summer. I do feel as if people have been ready for a fresh start and have been ready to move on from the infighting that broke out towards the end of last season. But that to me yesterday, I think, was like a line in the sand. I, I, I think Marsh will be feeling better. I think the players will be feeling better. I think the crowd are seeing potential in this now. And, you know, in, in more ways than one, and I said this in my report this morning, you, you left Ellen Road yesterday thinking that this tenure really does have legs. My next question was going to be just that, actually, do you think it was a watershed moment? It certainly felt like it from the stands. Just a chance for, I guess, Marsh to emerge from the, the shadow of last season. And I think, I mean, do you agree, Phil, that 
what we saw yesterday at Ellen Road actually put into context what happened last season uh, a little bit better, the stress that the players were under and the whole club was under, to be perfectly honest? I think so. And, and also the difference between a head coach who's coming in to pick up the pieces with 12 games to go and, and relegation you know, hovering as a, as a very real threat and a coach who has the, the wide open expanse of a full season and already two decent results behind him. I don't doubt at all that Marsh will see Southampton as a as a missed opportunity. But there was a bit of impetus there and there's absolutely no doubt at all that the team has changed, that the mindset has changed and, and the tactics, while it's not wildly different to what Marsh was trying to do last season in, in the 12 games that he had, it's been made different by the fact that he's been able to work on this through pre-season and you are definitely seeing the difference between a coach who's had no time to work with the team. And I know he had that, you know, the, the period of games last season, but it was like learning on the job. The contrast between that and a coach who has actually had empty weeks through the summer to work on things, to drill things, to prioritise aspects of play, like the pressing, for example. I mean, I, I wrote about Aronson after his debut against Wolves about how good he is at applying the press. And that was just fundamental for the first goal yesterday. It was the fact that in the blink of an eye, Mendy went from thinking he had all the time in the world to control the ball and, and to decide what he was going to do with it, to getting panicked into taking a touch that he didn't have time to take and, and getting robbed on the goal line. And, you know, moments like that and an effort like that can make a big difference. And I, I watch Marsh with some interest because you'll see him quite regularly celebrating on the touchline when Leeds press and, and hassle a team into conceding a corner. There was a moment yesterday when... Conor Gallagher was up by the Leeds byline and, and ended up giving away a goal kick because he lost control of the ball under pressure. And Marsh turned towards the West Stand with his, his fist raised in the air. You know, it, it almost like the, the sort of celebration of a goal. And I think yesterday you saw the crowd starting to love the things that he loves in football. It's the the effort and and the input. You know, I, I was sort of saying, you know, the, the application of physical hell, of unleashing that on on other teams. I think that's what Marsh takes satisfaction from more than anything else. And I think yesterday there was a realisation in the stands that actually that's a, a style of football and a type of football you can invest in in a big way when it works like that yesterday. And I think you're right. I think it is a watershed moment because I think it lets everybody look forward now and it looks lets everybody focus on what's coming as opposed to being stuck in this perennial debate about A, was it the right decision to change head coach when Leeds did in February and B, was Marsh the right man to go for as Bielsa's replacement? I think you can look at that that game, that win against Chelsea and say, this is actually worth having patience with and this is worth letting play out. You're absolutely right. I think that first goal is probably the crystallisation of the whole method, isn't it? Aronson just being absolutely relentless. He's such a pest. And to get the reward for taking the chance of of closing Mendy down. And he spoke about it in the uh, in the interviews afterwards, didn't he? That he'd been encouraged by Marsh to, to go that extra yard, to actually put the challenge in. And he got his rewards yesterday. I mean, and have you ever heard anything like that noise when that first goal went in? Because I, mean, I know it's a cliche, but the roof nearly did come off the place. Well, I probably have because Ellen Road is good like that. You know, it's always been good like that. And it'll be going some, I think, before anything exceeds that um, that Becchio goal against Millwall in the playoffs. But it was right on that level. And again, just to, to go back to what I was saying about Marsh celebrating the pressing and everything else, almost the most, I guess the most defining moment for me was that point either in injury time or just before injury time where Reese James had the ball and he had Sam Greenwood chasing him and he had Matthias Cleek niggling at him in the way that Cleek that does. And then Pascal Stroik came in, sliding tackle, put the ball into touch. And 
it was just constant, constant noise from the West Stand who were lapping it up and, and loving it. And, you know, it was that sort of thing that was driving them. And, and it was like a meeting of minds, I think, between them and Mars. The things that he was into, the things that he loves about football and the things that he has to see from his team. Actually, the crowd were really starting to to warm to as well. But you you make judgments as a head coach, so you pick your tactics and you set your team up and you and you have a preferred formation. And then when it comes to the transfer market, you go looking for players who fit into it. So Leeds have spent you know twenty million plus on Brendan Aronson, and I think I remember us saying, I hold my hands up to this, saying you know he's got quite a lot to prove at, at that valuation. You know, with somebody like Mark Rocker, for example, ten million pounds, you always feel like you can't go wrong with that. And I think the early signs are that Leeds aren't going to go wrong with that one at all. But £25 million is a lot of money for Aronson. And I think already you're starting to see him deliver. And likewise, you know, it's, it's going to be a commitment of about £20 million for Tyler Adams, another player who Marsh knows incredibly well. I thought he was the outstanding player yesterday. He just looked like he can graft and graft for as long as you need him to. Like he, he has no real, he is nobody scared of, of who he's up against or, or who's in the opposition's midfield. And he can pretty much serve up the ball time and time again without, you know, looking for, I guess to compare and contrast him with Phillips, without looking for the the rangy passing that Phillips had in his game. He's quite, seems quite happy and content to do the basics and and to provide that platform. And again, it it looks like a a really good deal, that one. So, you know, Marsh Marsh has laid out this plan. He's he's gone with this strategy. He's gone for these players. And that's ultimately what you're going to be judged on. You know, does it work? Is your judgment good? Have you made the right decisions? And I think yesterday it was very hard to look at what was going on and and feel as if they haven't got it right in a lot of respects because I think they have. And you can't fail but to do the maths on it as well and see that we got, what, 40-odd million for, for Calvin Phillips and to replace him with the two that were in there yesterday, Rocker and Adams, for less than that amount. It's starting to look like good business, isn't it, that just from a purely financial standpoint? It is, and, you know, the numbers as well, there's just a bit more... A bit more in the way of choice there. There's, a, a, you know, more ability to to vary the setup in midfield. I think more than anything, it looks to me as if Rocco and Adams are, are a suitable partnership. You know, they look as if they suit each other in in different ways. I get the sense that Rocco is probably happier on the ball than Adams is, or, or likes to get on the ball more than Adams does. But in that system, you need somebody like Adams who is going to dig and is going to dig and is going to win you possession over and over and again, and is going to provide a, a line of defence in, in front of the back four. And it's not it's not perfect. You know, in no way is, is this setup um flawless at all. And and I think the one question mark that's come up more than anything else over the first three games is, is that of Christensen at, at right back. I actually think, for what it's worth, that Strike has probably coped better at left back than Christensen has on the right-hand side, which is a surprise. But equally, we're only three games in. So, you know, that'll be a... a process of development and we'll see where he is in, in a couple of months time but it, the balance I feel is good and I do think there's been intelligence applied to the players that they've gone after I think they have specifically gone for players who will fit Marsh's system and this gets discussed a lot about how heavily you should back a manager you know how heavily you should go with his style whether or not it's more sensible to think broadly if you know if it doesn't work out for Marsh do you have players who will work for other coaches. But I happen to think that, you know, a little bit like Bielsa, you need people who are going to fit in this. You need people who are going to understand it, who are going to be able to do what he's doing. And, you know, people have talking, spoken to me about the fact that over the summer, the training has been different to how it used to be and that the sessions are not as long, they're not as physically intense, but a lot of attention is paid to practising the short, sharp sprinting, you know, the bursts of acceleration 
that are needed to press in the way that, that Leeds are trying to press on the marsh. And, and you can see that working. It was such a big factor yesterday because at no point, with the exception maybe of the early part of the second half, at no point were Gallagher and Jorginho able to get free properly and, and dictate the game. And because of that, Chelsea were unable to do, you know, to properly bring Sterling into the game. And I think yesterday Sterling really did have the potential to be the difference. And talk to me about that second goal then and the renaissance of Rodrigo. Has he finally found, you think, a coach, a position, a role, a place in the squad, I guess, um, that is now home for him? Because we haven't been quite sure where to put him just yet, but he's on a hot streak now, isn't he? I think he's found a place at the club. I mean, I, I was thinking back, as I was just writing up my report after the game, I was thinking back to the Brighton game, last home game of last season, of him failing to pick out Harrison with that pass, of him prodding that that second pass into touch and and you know the crowd just losing it with him completely losing patience that feeling again of looking at him saying what are you and and how how is this ever going to work with you here and I think a few things have happened with Rodrigo Marsh has tried as hard as he can I think to inject him with confidence to make him feel valued and to make him feel like a senior player it's it's not a coincidence that he's taken the armband, you know, behind Bamford and, and Liam Cooper. And if you think about his age and the, the point he's at in his career, he is somebody that Marsh should be able to turn to for that, somebody who Marsh should be able to ask for leadership. But I think by bringing him into the leadership group last season and by drumming into him the fact that Leeds do need to rely on him in that sense, I think that's got into Rodrigo's head. And there's no doubt at all that scoring goals makes a big difference. He is a forward. You know, he is a player who who would want to score goals, would want to come up with assists. Four in three in three games is, is a fantastic return. And he, like others at Leeds, and quite a few others at Leeds, will have the World Cup at the back of his mind. And if he carries on playing like this, I think the chances are that that he'll go. And I guess the question I ask now is if Bamford is fit for Brighton away next weekend, does he even start? Because quite honestly, at the moment, I don't think he does. I think Rodrigo Rodrigo is in the nine role. I think Rodrigo is doing enough to keep the nine role for now. And I think to some, ex- uh, to some extent, the, the pecking order has changed there. It's the proverbial nice problem to have is that one, isn't it? And it's amazing, isn't it, how when strikers get on these little streaks, uh, when the confidence grows and you can see it's grown in him, how the ball just seems to hit the net, hit the back of the net a lot more often when their tails are up. Yeah, de- definitely, but but not through chance either. I mean, his goal yesterday was uh, through another set piece and, and it's the combination that you're going to see a lot of this season, which is Harrison's delivery. And Harrison's another player we need to, to speak about, but Harrison's delivery, Rodrigo's run, Rodrigo's movement, Harrison picking him out with the right ball. I wrote last week about the set pieces and, and what they were doing, um, how Marsh was trying to make them work. And also Mark Jackson is his assistant who who's taking responsibility for the planning and the, the kind of scheming with set pieces. And the Harrison to Rodrigo dynamic is is right at the heart of it. You know, Harrison and Aronson over the ball more often than not. Rodrigo, the player who they seem to be targeting regularly in the box, and Rodrigo having the ability to read what they're doing and also to make those plays pay off. Uh, so you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of not by chance. This I don't think it's it's not. I think Marsh used the words you know random last week to say none of this is random. You know, this is this is all come down to work and ideas and and application. And I think if we were looking at the squad before the, the season started and picking out players who you know, you could reasonably look to to provide more than they had previously, Junior Filippo was one, without a doubt, after his first year at Ellen Road. But Rodrigo was still another, you know, somebody who 
Leeds have still not had value for money from, but seem to be creeping in, in that direction now. And, you know, having sat through the summer wondering whether it would really matter if he left, you know, would Leeds miss him? I don't think there's any way in which he could countenance him moving on because, as I say, I think as it stands, he is Leeds number nine. You know, I think he is their, their starting player up front. And it's strange to say that because it's never felt like that previously. And just to round off the goals then, Phil, Jack Harrison, a well-deserved goal. Uh, the third one that just, I think, just shut that game down in the end. Yeah, he killed, killed the game. So instantly you knew there was going to be no repeat of what had gone on at Southampton. And I did think, to be fair to Marsh, having held his hands up about the substitutes at Southampton, he wasn't going to die wondering whether he should have made more changes yesterday. He had four shot on early. He clearly realised that he, he needed to keep the legs fresh. They were the right the right moves at the right time. And they were positive decisions. And I think... I think we've seen that with Leeds since the, this season began. Okay, it, it got out of sorts at Southampton, but I think that was because tired legs were starting to catch up with them and, and changes were needed from the bench. But even against Wolves, you know, one all, one all against Wolves would not have been a bad result. But there was that push for the winning goal at the point where the, the changes came, the change with Matthias Cleek. And it was the same yesterday. There didn't seem to be any inclination to sit on a 2-0 lead. And, and for what it's worth, I, I thought Thomas Tuchel's switch to a back four at halftime made a positive difference for Chelsea. I think in that period where they, they became dominant for 15, 20 minutes, had they scored in that point, it would have become very tense and it would have become slightly more dicey. But I think Leeds had it in their heads that if, if at 2-0 they scored again, that was game over, which it, it absolutely was. So I guess the, the courage and, and the nous to, to make sure that, that they were able to get that goal was a factor. But I think as well on this occasion, Marsh clocked what had gone on a week earlier and used his bench to far better effect. And again, that's, you know, that is good coaching and good management. Yeah, noticeably all five of them, wasn't it, who uh, who got it onto the pitch? Yeah, and and as well, good players coming on. There is now a difference in the, the you know, the, the ability to send on players who you can reasonably expect to, to change a game. For sure, who, you know, has, his, has had his issues with fitness in, in a big way, but I think is a Premier League standard um, midfielder when he plays well. Guys like Sinistera, you know, Joe Gelhart, Matthias Cleek, people who you can reasonably expect to, to make a difference. And that, I think, has been one of the big steps forward that you can call it a squad now. You know, it does look like a Premier League squad. And I still maintain that I don't think it's totally finished. I think there are additions that they could make to it yet. But, you know, a game like that yesterday does slightly dampen transfer talk a little because they are looking good and they're looking in, in good shape. And yes, you know, the, the, there is more that, that could be done without a doubt but I don't think they're in a bad way at the moment. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk more about Jack Harrison then here at the start of part two. Um, new contract in the offing, we believe, hopefully, Phil, 
when the transfer window closes in a couple of weeks. And he's doing more and more to suggest that we should do that as soon as possible because he seems to have found his groove as well. Do you think he's stepped up a level this year? It feels like it. I mean, we're only three games in, so you don't want to go too early in, in judging that. But I'd be surprised if there have been many, many wingers or you know wide forwards in the Premier League who've performed more impressively than him over three games, certainly statistically. I mean, he, he is absolutely full of chances. He is... He's had assists, he, he had his goal yesterday. And it's, you know, you, you quite often see this. It's happening at the point where he is at one of the, the people who's a focus of attention about where his future lies, you know, about other interests in him, uh, of which, the you know, the main interest is coming from Newcastle. And people might have seen on The Athletic this morning in, in David Ornstein's column, the news that Newcastle had a second bid turned down for him um, around about £22 million, something like that. The previous bid was was at £17 million a long, long way below the valuation leads have of Harrison. And in any case, I mean, I felt like Radrazani pretty much drew a line in the sand with that by saying he is not leaving. No way. You know, that is extremely difficult to roll back on. And I don't quite understand how Newcastle think they, they'll force the issue by bumping up from 17 to, to 22. I think Leeds would be wanting closer to, if not in excess of, of £40 million for Harrison. I kind of justifiably so on the basis of the way he's playing and, and the basis of, of what he's delivering. They are going to have to get into talks with him about a new contract because he has less than two years to go now and, and he's clearly a, a very valuable asset. But he, I think, has been a he's been a top signing for Leeds. You know, he, he was massively effective during the Bielsa era. His, his form does, does peak and trough, no doubt about that. He has periods where he, he goes off the boil. But he has improved. He has improved and he looks like he's getting better again. And I... Again, as with Rodrigo, I don't doubt at all that the World Cup will be at the back of Harrison's head. It's probably a long shot for him. By no means guaranteed that he'll get the chance before it comes round. But as I've said previously, Southgate does like him. Southgate has had his eyes on him for a while. And if you were in any way tempted, then you'd be more tempted now than you've ever been because he is in, he is in excellent form. We're not here to pick holes in people's performances per se, but I'm just wondering, looking through that 1-11 to and the subs yesterday, is there anybody who you could find fault in? Because even you know, looking at Melier, he made some crucial saves, didn't he? Front to back, Leeds were excellent. I noticed at full time that Maric and, and Marsh, um, all the coaching staff, made a specific effort to get over to Melier and give him a big hug. He was quietly fantastic yesterday. He, he, he kept pulling off big saves from chances that were ultimately going to be ruled out had they gone in because they were offside. But in every single instance, he didn't know that or, or wasn't able to assume that. And I think we, I think we were chatting about him after the Wolves game, and, and I was saying he, he looked, he looked comprehensively excellent against Wolves. His handling, everything he had to do, looked spot on. And, and you know, it's probably fair to say with Melier that because he's so young and because he's so kind of fresh to to this level of football, you know, th- there were always little aspects of his game you could pick fault with, aspects of his game where you, you could say that that he needed to improve. But I think that improvement has come, and I think you're starting to see it in in quite a big way. And he looks like a, he just looks like a very, very strong last line of defence. And with Rafinha and Phillips gone, I think you're seeing Millie now moving into that bracket of player who, you know, is potentially going to be worth a lot of money to Leeds at some point. Because again, without wanting to to wish time away, I think if he goes on to to fulfil his potential and to be as good as he can be, then you're going to be talking about him moving to a club who are right at the very, very top. Let's talk about the managers then. Uh, we had some interesting comments in the in the post match from from Thomas Tuchel. He was very spiky. I can't say I agreed with an, an awful lot of what he he was saying. He was right to say that Chelsea had the 
the slightly better start early on. And and I said this myself, you know, if, if Sterling has scored that after 37 seconds, then you are looking at a completely different scenario and, and potentially a day that, that goes goes wrong for Leeds and, and you know, conceivably quite badly wrong. But he seemed incredibly reluctant to give in to the idea that Leeds outrunning Chelsea, which they did, Leeds outworking Chelsea, which they did, Leeds being stronger mentally, I felt, and being able to apply the tactics and the plan in a way that Chelsea won, he, he seemed reluctant to accept that any of that was a factor. Um, and it didn't surprise me at all that when Marsh, that was put to Marsh, Marsh said, you know, he's he's entitled to his opinion, but but I felt that we dictated the game. And I think that is exactly exactly how it was. And to take the first goal, clearly the, the running and the pressing was a factor there. And, and yes, you know, Tuchel might say, well, you know, Mendy had... Ample time to clear the ball. We didn't need to take that risk, and, and no, he didn't. But that's how you get into a team's head. And and then I think that goal did get into Chelsea's head. They never recovered from that. They were at probably the one ground in the Premier League where the crowd can really, really get on top of you. I'm not saying that you don't have fantastic atmospheres elsewhere, but you don't have anywhere that's as rough and ready as Ellen Road. And I constantly come out of that ground thinking, I know why it has to be redeveloped and I know why that will will happen, why it has to happen, why it's essential for the club's development that commercially and in terms of size and seats, you know, getting people in through the doors, it's important that it doesn't just sit at 36,000 forever, but it will be missed and it does make a difference on days like that. And I think it did make a difference yesterday. I very much sensed in Tuchel the reaction of a manager who knows that he spent a lot of money this summer, who knows that that he has a, a good and strong squad there, and who knows that it is not going to reflect well on him seeing his team outplayed in in the way that that they were. So there no there were no punch up between them, him and Marsh. They actually it was quite funny at full time. They actually shook hands in a similar sort of way to um to the, the handshake between Tuchel and Conte that made it all kick off at Stamford Bridge a, a week earlier. But there was no real niggle there. I didn't think. I just I just think Marsh quite rightly, wasn't willing to accept that the way Leeds had played and, and the sort of nuts and bolts of their performances, uh, of their performance yesterday hadn't been influential because it definitely were. All it needed was a bit of contrition from Tuchel, surely. You just say, yep, yeah, you know what? Leeds were the better side on the day. You can you can still indulge in football cliches and be honest and sincere in that, can't you? You can. Some, man- some managers find that far more difficult to do than others. And that's one of the things that I always liked about Bielsa was his ability to just sit down and say, they were the better team. They deserved to win, and 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 it sort of draws all the poison out of it. You know, I think if Tuchel had, had sat down and said, "Yeah, we just didn't compete in the way that we needed to, to needed to today," then obviously the question comes, "Why not?" But you can back that off by saying, "Look, teams have off days." You know, Chelsea did play very well against Spurs. I thought a week earlier they didn't play well against Leeds yesterday, but I think that was in a large part because Leeds did play well and because it did click for Marsh. You know, as I said, for the first time clicked perfectly in so many respects and, and was not flawless, but as close to flawless as you could reasonably expect, I think, in, in a fixture like that. And yeah, it wouldn't have done Tuchel any harm to just accept that they'd been outplayed. And in summary, just a great day's work, wasn't it? A good day at the office all round. And and would you argue, would you agree that this sets the tone for the season now? We've seen what this side's capable of, these tactics are capable of. It should set the tone. I mean, they've got another really difficult game coming up away at Brighton. But I think this probably changes the complexion of that and, and changes the way in which people will look at that fixture. Brighton have started really well and, and look in good shape to me. Look like they're going to have a strong season themselves. So you couldn't go to Brighton necessarily expecting anything from the game or, or assuming that you will get anything from the game. 
But I think Leeds will be pretty confident that they, they can. I think it's bigger than that, though. I, I, I think the club and all of us, really, have been caught in this void between Bielsa and Marsh ever since Bielsa was sacked and Marsh came in, in, in part because the last 12 games of, of last season posed as many questions as, as they answered. And, and even survival it came with that concern in your head that Leeds had actually been quite lucky to stay up. And and was that by design or, or you know, was it by default in the end? And, they, you know, they won at Brentford, Burnley let it slip against Newcastle. So absolutely, they, they deserved it. But it wasn't a demonstration, those 12 games, I don't think of what Leeds were going to get from Marsh at his best. Yesterday was a perfect demonstration of that. And I think it has just taken people over the threshold of being sceptical and not quite sure to thinking we can actually believe in this coach and we can actually trust that this coach might deliver some good things. And I think that's been needed. I think it's been needed for a while. It needed to come early this season. Otherwise, this season was at risk of, you know, just getting stuck in that purgatory of nothing quite firing, nothing quite clicking. But that yesterday made them look like a team with with big potential and, and big ability. And it's one of those days where it makes all the bad days worthwhile. And that, you know, makes it sound a bit melodramatic, really. But you know, all the angst that we put ourselves through as fans, and you you must get this as well with um, with hearts, you know, all those days that, that are a grind. It's like coming in today and, and being able to talk about this. It's just, it's a pleasure. It's like you're floating on clouds. And, and the fans probably needed that because last season was such a grind. I think so. So so to go back to the discussion about entitlement, you can't describe a fan base as entitled for wanting a day like yesterday. When you get into the realms of wanting whichever player you want to sign or wanting whichever trophy you want to win, that's when the, the debate starts about realism and, and what a club can, can realistically hope to achieve. But it's not unrealistic to think that you can have days like, like that 3-0 win over Chelsea, that, that that football can be delivered. And I think more to the point, it would be completely uncharitable for anybody at Leeds to come away from that game and not acknowledge the appreciation that the crowd showed for it. That's what happens when when the football goes like that. That's what happens when Leeds play like that. And I think it is. Marsh spoke about Eleanor being really kind of intelligent crowd. I think it's just a really honest place where people can definitely distinguish the difference between poor fare and very good fare. And it doesn't mean that people are going home yesterday saying, we should win this, we should qualify for Europe, we should win a trophy this season or whatever else. I think it's enough for people to go away just feeling as if they're actually on the road towards something decent here. And that's what that performance said yesterday, that that this could build into something very good. Well, it's the road to the Carabao Cup on Wednesday, Phil. We can actually preview a game now as well. The uh, midweek games are a bit of a rare beast when it comes to the Premier League, although we do have uh, midweek action on Tuesday next week against um, Everton. Looking forward to the Barnsley game. We should see a few different players, shouldn't we? We might see more of Sinistera. Maybe he should start. I think that'll be what Marshall want to do in this tie. I think he'll want to win it. I definitely think he and the club would like the idea of a, of a reasonable cup run. But this is the this is the opportunity and the, and the point at which he can push the wider reaches of the squad. Like you say, people like Sinistera, who, who could definitely do with a full game, somebody like Gelhart get minutes for him I think you don't want to throw this tie you don't want to burn it um, by by picking a daft team but this is precisely why you have a squad this is why you have a particular early rounds of um, of the League Cup so I think we will see plenty of changes and they have to be considering that the next game is Brighton away because that is not an easy fixture Who would you play then out of the team that played on um, on Sunday who would you give a game to on Wednesday because you can't change everybody can you? No, I don't think you can change everybody, but I I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world either to to push it to 
eight or nine changes that let people like Klassen have a game, for example. The scope to um, to change fully will be made more difficult by the fact that I wouldn't imagine that Marsh would want to risk Bamford in this or, or perhaps not Cooper either, although Cooper will be will be pretty close. Furpo's still a little way away. Um, Luke Ayling, I think, would definitely have got a game in this had he been been fit to play. But I think you can, you know, people like Forshaw, for example, and Matthias Cleek, Greenwood, Gilhart, Archie Gray, potentially. I mean, if, if there was a moment for Archie Gray's debut, then this would seem like a, a, a good time to think about it. Um, he's, he's kind of been on the fringes and, and ready for that for a little while now. You know, not not to, to be going through a long run of games in the Premier League, but to get the minutes that Marsh said he would try to give him at points of this season. I think there's... There's enough now in the squad and enough players at a high enough level where you can you could make a big raft of changes to the lineup without it looking weak and without it looking as if you you were sort of disregarding the game. It's a game Leeds should definitely win and they should have the quality to win it. And compared to last time we played Barnsley at Ellen Road, it should feel a bit different this one. Yes, um slightly less riding on it. I don't think there's gonna be um I, I don't think there'll be any of this sort of horrible amusement value that ran all the way through that game knowing what was what was at stake so no I'd be interested to see what the crowd is actually because it's sold out hasn't it I think Phil just about yeah and um, it was certainly heading in that direction and that game yesterday is exactly the sort of thing that sucks people through the door for cup matches that's what they want that's the football they want to see I remember Bielsa's um, second season, you know, big, big crowds um, for the League Cup games. Games of no real note and not against big opposition, but football like that sells tickets, it fills seats. So it should be a good evening. And that's reflected in when we've had the under-23s at Ellen Road as well, big crowds for that. So there's just a real appetite. It's amazing that like, just when you get into the Premier League and the profile goes up that much, that it just stimulates, it stimulated the whole city, hasn't it really? Yeah, no, it has. It has. And I think... I think that's been the best thing about the past three or four years is the re-engagement and the fear of missing out actually returning to Ellen Road and returning to Leeds. There was such a long stretch where people seemed to be going out of loyalty, out of habit, out of obligation, but with so little expectation and almost resignation at the start of many seasons that they were going to deliver very little. I think that was one of the tough things about last season was that it felt like a, a bit of a regression Back from that point where, as I said earlier, everything seemed possible. You know, there didn't seem to be limits and and the way Leeds were playing were, were just opening so many doors. But then you go to a game like yesterday's and almost out of the blue, really, you know, it, it, it clicks in that way and it delivers to such a great extent. And that's, that's football, isn't it? That's why people are invested in the game. That's what people want from the game. And as I say, I think the anticipation and the excitement when the next home game comes around will be on a scale that we've not seen so far under Marsh. You know, I think it'll be on a on a different level and, and people people will be hopeful now about where this is going. Strange to think, isn't it? We've only actually been in this division for two years now. You know, it's two years since we got promoted. It feels like a lifetime ago. And I was going to say, with regards to, to Barnsley and the performance that we see, even if it's not uh, a full strength, full fat first 11, it will be an interesting benchmark to see how far we've come over the last two years, won't it? Yeah, and, and also to see how well the tactics and the, the methods that, that Marsh is going for can be applied by you know players who are more on the fringes of the squad as opposed to the first team that, that's starting to settle down now. It's kind of fundamental, and you know, Bielsa was always big on this, the, the idea that everybody knows what they're doing and everybody can interchange. If you trust the player enough to have them in the squad, they can drop into the team and do exactly what you, you need them to do. And I think on the basis of what we're seeing, with how well the players have been coached, 
you know, the, the kind of frontline team, frontline lineup as we're seeing it, I think it's probably fair to assume that there'll be a good level of understanding, good level of application running right the way through the squad as, as a whole. Um, I get the feeling that they've pretty much grasped what Marsh wants them to do and actually are pretty enthused by it. I think that's probably the main thing with this is that the players do seem to have bought it. You know, I've, I've, I've absolutely gone with it. They seem to like him. They seem to like his tactics. They seem to like his ideas. And that rubs off on performances and it rubs off on results um, as it did yesterday. Home win on Wednesday then? Progression in the cup? I think so. I think so. Kind of feels like it's going that way. I think as long as Marsh gets his team right, gets the balance of it right, and as long as the you know players who've been on the fringes can step up in the way that they need to, then yeah, I think that game's there to be won. And we'll get into the sort of transfer situation in the Thursday show. Um, it will be Thursday this week, I presume, with Leeds playing on Saturday that we record. Most likely, most likely it will just depend a little bit on when Marsh's um, press conference is um, pre-Brighton. But essentially, as soon as that's done, uh, we'll be in the studio. Yeah, just to fill you in on that, because we are now twice weekly, we're going to make the show in the second half of the week after the press conference, aren't we? So we can get the reaction from that immediately. So it may move around a little bit between uh, the early hours of Friday morning and slightly later, depending on when the press conference is, but we'll bring you the very latest from Jesse Marsh's press conference. Yes, we certainly will. Well, that rounds up a good weekend's work, I feel uh, like. I don't know about you, Phil. It's It's been a good weekend, and I dare say it will roll into Wednesday. You know, another victory against Barnsley just keeps that feeling going doesn't it the momentum keeps building and suddenly you go into Brighton at the weekend which will be an interesting test I mean again we can speak about that in the second half of the week in the later show but it's another benchmark isn't it it's another test I think if football teaches you one thing is that you should drink in you know moments like yesterday because sometimes you get spoiled and, and we did get spoiled through various seasons where it just felt that good every weekend although I have to say it's hard to think of too many occasions when the crowd's seem to enjoy a game as much as they did yesterday well as into it as much as they were against Chelsea but yeah it has been a good weekend I think as I say I think it's a watershed moment for Marsh I think it is for the club I think I think everybody moves on properly now and you know that that could really define the season I honestly think that that the way this is shaping up you could look back at that game and think that um, that was the point at which you realised that Leeds were in for a good year I posed this question on the square ball match ball in the wake of the game yesterday, do you think that was his that was his Stoke, uh, like the Bielsa first game? I don't think it's far off. I, th- I think the slight difference with the Stoke game was that, with the exception of a handful of pre-season friendlies, which are never especially great gauge of anything, we had no idea what to expect from Bielsa because we had no prior evidence. We had no. He'd, he'd walked to other clubs, obviously, and we'd seen other teams, but in terms of leads in that squad, there was nothing nothing to gauge. You know what would class as a as a spectacular performance. So Stoke was just astonishing. You know, you sat there thinking, this is this is unbelievable in part because managers rarely start as well as that. You know, that kind of click the fingers and it's all brilliant. But also because he was doing it with a squad who'd finished mid-table the previous season and had looked miles off, you know, promotion standard. But I do see the parallels and I do see why that comparison was drawn yesterday because it, it felt like elevation where a coach was jumping multiple steps in one moment, you know, going from a side who, you know, had been piecing it together against Wolves, had been piecing it together against Southampton, was showing good aspects, was showing progress and was showing development. But not like that, not to that extent and not so dramatically. And I think, to be fair to Marsh, in the way that, that people talk about Stoke all the time with Bielsa, I think if it does go well for him and if he does start to, you know, really get into a groove at Leeds, People will talk about that Chelsea game. They will. They'll talk about it as a defining moment for him. And I think they'll talk about it as the moment 
when a lot of people who weren't necessarily convinced by him suddenly felt that they were. Right, well, we will return uh, in the second half of the week. Phil, reaction to Barnsley, reaction to Jesse Marsh's pre-Brighton press conference. We'll preview that game. Before we go, man of the match from the Chelsea game? Tyler Adams. For me, I thought Aronson was great. I thought Melier was brilliant while kind of, you know, a little bit in the shadows because of the the way the game went and the way the, the, the momentum was flowing for so much of it. But Adams looks like a, a terrific signing. And dare I say it, probably as suited as Phillips to this precise system and to the job that, that he has to do. I just thought yesterday you could see why at the end of the season you'd be saying that he'd had a very good one. Do you agree then? At the Phil Hayes Show on Twitter. We'll speak to you in the second half of the week. Theathletic.com forward slash leads pod to sign up for The Athletic. We'll see you later. The Phil Hayes Show. 